Welcome back to the Effort of Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cleveland. On today's episode, Gabe Giannis and I, we get into it. We talk about Gabe's first jiu-jitsu class. That's right. We finally got him into one. It took me a little while, but we got him into a formal jiu-jitsu class with none other than Coach Tim Kennedy. We talk about the burpee test, something that I found to be highly effective, and I think you guys should all try it out. And then finally, we talk about eating greens. I really enjoyed this episode. I enjoy all the episodes that Gabe and I do. And I hope that you're getting value from it. You know, if you are, simple ask. Just tell a friend, whether it's the Kava Klipas, our, you know, um, our podcast with guests, or perhaps one with myself, Gabe, or MDV. If you're getting value, simple ask. Just tell a friend, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Definitely helps out the podcast. I hope you and your family are doing well. It's going to be an exciting week, weekend. I can feel it. I feel good energy right now. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's dive right into it and hear about Gabe's first jujitsu experience. Keep crushing it. Let's go. So you're wearing a a New York Mets hat. You say you're not going to take it off because that's good good juju. Um, So first off, tell me, are you superstitious? Yes. When it comes to... So when it comes to baseball and the New York Mets, I'm, I'm very superstitious. So what is examples of you being superstitious that you've incorporated uh, in your life? Aside from the fact that you're saying you're not going to take off this hat. So like, but it's, only saying- when it, it's only when it comes to baseball and, and, and like the Mets specifically. So what have you been doing that makes you feel like you've contributed to their success in making it to the playoffs? Dude, so we were, things were getting real bad, like real bad. They lost to some teams that they shouldn't have lost to. And, you know, they've been, we, we talked about this back when MDV was on the podcast. They were like the best team in baseball for a while. And they always break your heart, dude. The Mets always break your heart. I think that if it's one of the good things that I've gotten out of being a Mets fan is the fact that I feel like I have a very resilient, like just mindset because the Mets just every year, like just drag you through the coals. But anyway, what I did is I went to New York because we had a wedding last week. And it's funny because I told Ariel, I told my wife this. I was like, I'm going to buy a New York Mets fat hat in New York. And if they turn it around, if they start winning again, this is a lucky Mets hat. And I did. So I bought this hat at the airport. Oh, and gosh. they didn't lose a game while I was in New York. They turned things around. We're up a game and a half going into the last like week of the season. So there's something to this hat, or at least I, it doesn't hurt, man. I'm not going to take it off because things are good. So the big superstition is like when things are going good, you can't change like what's going on. Like if you're watching a game and for example, like the pitcher's throwing a no hitter, like you can't change the channel. You shouldn't go up to like use the bathroom. You got to like, you got to stay there. You got to like, you got to, you can't, you can't mess with the universe because things are going well. But then if things are going bad, you got to switch it up. You got to switch it up. And dude, superstition is just so big in baseball. It's actually really funny. Like you'll have players that won't shave, for example, if they're like in a hot streak or they'll, you know, shave or change their hair or, you know, go with a different mitt if things are going bad. And then if it turns it around, like that's the mitt, that's the hairstyle, that's the, the beard. So what if it keeps going back and forth? So like I've, I've seen some of that, like I remember uh, the Giants were like doing really well and it was like fear the beard and like all these different types of things like like for San Francisco. But what if it goes good for like a game, then bad for a game, then good for a game? So then are you basically wearing the hat, hats off, wearing the hat? I mean, where does it, where do you draw the line between just like, um, or just is what it is, it's just part of the game. 
just part of the game, man. It makes yeah. it fun, honestly. It makes it fun. But so when you say you're not gonna, when you say you're not going to take off the hat, what 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 exactly are the rules with what constitutes taking off the hat? Are you going to shower with that thing or what? No, to be a hundred percent honest, it probably just means I'm going to wear this hat a lot more than I would like any other hats. But um, yeah, man. I, I mean, the Mets haven't been in the playoffs since 2016, um, so it's been a while. They made it this year. It's exciting. It's a big deal for me. So I'm I'm just having fun with it. I might go to a Giants game uh, next week. I'll let you know if I go to a Giants because Caden's really big into baseball, so I want to take him. But, um, dude, I'm at uh, our uh, Campbell house. I got my, uh, my the, the African club. Remember that I talked about this? Um, but, uh, dude, so I just got done doing a great workout. It's coming up here at NC Fit. Actually, the week that this releases, um, the workout will be re- um, coming up that week. It incorporates deadlifts and bar muscle-ups. I haven't done bar muscle-ups in quite a while. But ramping up for the Rogue Invitation, I wanted to get in some of that type of volume. So, um, yeah, man, anybody wants to try it, it's a 10-minute AMRAP, meaning as many rounds of reps as possible. You basically do um, one bar muscle-up. So you take your body from below the bar up and over, and then two deadlifts, and then 12 kettlebell swings. Then you go two, four, 12, three, six, 12, and so on for 10 minutes. Um, so that workout just came up at NC Fit. If you can't do bar muscle-ups, obviously you can switch that out for like pull-ups and whatnot. But it was just a grip burner. Got done with that. Now fired up to chat with you. What's the deadlift weight? Uh, 225. And, Maybe. you know, uh, complimenting uh, Mr. MDV and his thoughts on this. I did. I think I did. <laughs> so I went out with the impression of I'm going to go double overhand. That was my that was my goal. And then after like a little bit, the deadlifts got really hard. <laughs> and so I was like, ah, oh, screw it. And so I went to I went to mixed grip. So. Shame on me, but I started off with double overhand, but dude, there's nothing like, you got to get the score, man. You got to get the score. So I went, I went mixed grip. Well, I feel like when we talk about grip in the deadlift, because I know we've had this discussion with MDD, like I, I, I think that there's a time and a place, right? Like I love, and I've been training this way myself, like not only double overhand, but even like no hook grip for as long as I can when I deadlift. Cause I've, I've actually historically had like a very weak grip. Um, and so I think that you know, the, the, the fallacy is in like starting your warm up set. Like you have an empty barbell and you're like reverse grip already. Like, I think that that's, that's where you're never going to build the grip strength if you do that. But I think that, you know, once you're doing a workout and trying to hit the requisite intensity of that workout, you shouldn't be limited by me not being able to grip this bar anymore, especially if you have bar muscle ups paired with it too. I think that that's a perfectly fine place to go reverse grip and just, you know, kind of get after it. Um, cause it's not like you're going to be able to do anything to really make the grip any easier on the bar muscle. No, you can't. And then, and then you're also going with a Russian kettlebell swing. So, oh yeah. 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 For, for anybody who tries that, I finish <clears throat> seven bar muscle ups, 14 deadlifts and 12 kettlebell swings. I, I, I hit that right on the nose at 10 minutes. Um, but you know, it's interesting. We talk about the grip on the deadlift. So I just got back yesterday from El Paso, Texas and El Paso is, I didn't realize this, please excuse my ignorance here. I didn't realize how ge- geographically close it was to Mexico and New Mexico. I had no idea. So I flew into the El Paso airport and you're basically on the Mexico U.S. border. And um, I ended up working there with the um, Customs and Border Patrol Protection. And um, I took them through a seminar. And part of the seminar, I did this burpee test, which we could talk about. Um, but part of it was also the deadlift. I-, I worked with them on the deadlift. And I encourage them to utilize the double overhand grip because I think for what they do for a living, being able to grip things, I think is important. But once you got those heavier weights, of course, if you want to throw on a belt or if you want to mix grip, go for it. But we initially start off with the double overhand grip. I then combine that, which 
I think this was a good idea. I did a, um, I wanted to show them some midline stabilization things. So we talked about a few core concepts, keeping your, you know, low back flat core tight midline stabilization. We talked about this idea of like core to extremity when you're doing movements like thruster or whatever, kind of thinking about your big muscle groups and then your smaller ones. And then we finished it off by, um, uh, by talking about moving large loads, long distances quickly and the impact they could have on your fitness. So that was like a kind of like a part of this one seminar. So I had them do an EMOM of one minute of, of deadlifts, like moderate weight, like five reps, one minute of hollow rock hold, and then one minute of squat hold. And the reason why is I wanted to show them that in this like 15 minute EMOM, you can get into some great strength work. You can get into some great core work, kind of resisting that change and working that midline. And then you can get in some good flexibility and mobility work. So that was part of what we did, um, which relates to the deadlift conversation here. Moving from the deadlift, but the other movement in this workout you just did, the bar muscle-ups, I'm curious, what's the most you've ever done in an unbroken set of bar muscle-ups? Do you remember? Dude, I want to say that I did a set. There was like a workout. I can't remember if it was like a regional or an open. I think it might have been like a – or no, no, maybe it was like – it was it was some random, but some event. And it was like, if I'm not mistaken, it was like 20 or 30 bar muscle-ups, and then you did something else. And so you had to kind of gain it. I think the most I've done – is somewhere between, I think it's about 25, I think is the most I've done um, in a row um, with like maybe a brief pause at the top. I think no more than 30 for sure I've ever done. I've never done more than 30 in a row. Yeah, that's impressive. That's impressive because obviously you're significantly bigger than me. I, I think I've done, I think it was 25. It was either 25 or 21, something a workout opened up with. It was like the first thing you did. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. The thing about the bar muscle up compared to the regular ring muscle up is in the ring muscle up, you do 30 in a row on a, on a ring muscle up. It's, it's very difficult. Very um, difficult. Yeah, I've never done it actually. I, I think, you know, when we've done 30 muscle ups for time, I think I've gotten like 20 or whatever it is because you're receiving in such a deep position. You have to control the ring so much. Whereas a bar muscle up, when, you know, not only do you not have this um, kind of like this object that's moving, but you could also kind of rest on the way down if you want to on your chest as a nice break point. You don't really get that same thing in a no. um, ring muscle up. <laughs> you know, when you're at the CrossFit Games, there was this event and it was like, ah, oh, man, it was, I want to say it was either 30 or 50 muscle ups. It was something like, I think it might have been like 50. It was like 50 muscle ups, but every time you broke, you had to go run 800 meters. Um, I don't know if you remember this event, but it was at the CrossFit Games. And what a lot of people didn't know about that event at the time, and maybe even now, is that when you're on this giant Zeus rig, they call it, it is not the same as doing muscle-ups at your home gym on a 10-foot high bar because the rings have so much more slack. They could use so much harder. So much harder. Your body can get out of control so quickly that you need to learn how to basically um, – you can't have these giant kip positions sometimes because once you get off, I mean, dude, you just, you get way the hell off. Yeah. Yeah. Big, so I, big swing. <laughs> I was there and I had, uh, I had, um, one more muscle up to go one more. And I was like, oh shit, I don't know if I'm going to get this one. And so I, I try and press out and I, I thought I had it, but I didn't really have it. And so I fell off without getting the lockout and I had to go run 800 meters come back, do one muscle up. It sucked. And, oh, that's uh, brutal. Yeah. That was, that was a tough one. I remember experiencing that at Wadapalooza. Wadapalooza had, Oh, same idea. Yeah. Cause they had the stage with the muscle, with the, the rings on that huge beam by the water. And you had the wind coming. Yeah. The wind. And also, at least I remember <laughs> where I went, 
the straps weren't long enough to connect all the way to the top. So they had like chains that would connect the beam to then the strap. And the chains had like a little bit of give. Yeah. Because like, you, almost, you almost bounced a little yeah. bit on it. And it was, dude, it was sketchy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's those people sketchy. at home who are watching it and like, oh, I could have gone 30 in a row. And then you see yeah. these pro athletes not get 30 and you start asking yourself, I wonder why not. And it's because of things like that, right? They don't take into consideration the, the bulk of work that happened before them um, and or when the rings are, you know, unique. But anyways, it, you know, yeah. <laughs> so we did that. One of the things, uh, and you were with me, I was in Austin right before I went to El Paso and I brought up the burpee test. Remember me talking to the burpee test about with, with to Tim? Yeah. So the burpee test is a 10 minute EMOM every minute on the minute. 15 burpees every minute on the minute for 10 minutes. And <clears throat> on the last minute, I like to normally AMRAP it, like as many reps as I can. And it's interesting because I did that burpee test the day after with Tim Kennedy's crew. So we met at this place called Roca and um, there was some beasts in the room for sure. But I'm thinking, oh, this can be a pretty good burpee test. Man, these guys just smoked it. Um, and so it just goes to show these guys were huge and they were still able to smoke the burpee test. So for anybody who's thinking about trying it, give the 10-minute EMOM 15 burpees a minute a try because these guys were able to smash it. What, is that what you guys ended up doing? What else do you guys end up doing? No. So when we were out in, so we were at a sheepdog response, you, you and I together. You know what I found to be the most, like, um, there's two things that uh, I thought I found to be interesting about Tim um, that we have a lot in common. Number one is all the fidget stuff on his table. So like people normally have like fidget spinners or like in my case, I have this uh, African club that I'm playing with in my hand right now because, you know, I, I tend to have some attention problems uh, for him. All these companies send him like badass weapons and knives and he just has them laid all over the table. <laughs> so we have that in common and uh, only, well, I don't have those type of knives. And the other thing was, I, didn't, I, I thought it was interesting. He likes oat milk cappuccinos. So a guy that I thought would never like oat milk, he likes oat milk cappuccinos. So we had one of those the next day. Big oatmeal guys. Dude. Um, yeah. I've, I've softened my stance significantly on oat milk, by the way. No, I, I know you have. But but uh, anyways, I, I just want to say, so for the workout, we went the next day. So I rolled with him that night. And you actually went on the mats. And that was a good night to go. Boy, oh, boy. Tim, um, he uh, – I don't know. You probably didn't see because you were rolling, but he punished me pretty good. Did um, you roll during the class or just that little bit afterwards? No, no, during the class. Oh yeah, no, I didn't watch. I was oh, like, yeah. yeah, I was, I was like, trying not to. Yeah, yeah. So I rolled with this one guy, and I had a good roll or whatever. And then I rolled with Tim, and dude, man, he got me in mount, but he took my arms and he put them over my head, and like I'm just sitting there with like Tim. Tim's like basically ass in my face just sitting on me and my arms are up here i'm just like son of a bitch and that whole time i'm thinking to myself i will not tap to his pressure is what i was thinking to myself right i am not going to tap just because he's sitting on my face I'm, I'm i refuse to do that but dude he was doing it for a while and i was like son of a bitch i was like i was like i hope he goes for a submission because i don't know how much longer i'm going to handle this he ended up going for a submission and got me but we'd rolled then and then and the next day we went to roca and i got to roll with his crew uh, we did some wrestling technique and then we did that burpee test. Nice. Yeah. There's uh levels to it, right? 
Oh, 100%, man. Oh, yeah. Because I'm glad you jumped in, man. Shout out to Gabe Giannis for jumping in on his first official gi jiu-jitsu class. It was fun, man. It was fun. I thought – so Tim Kennedy coached the class, and I, I, I thought that He's he excellent, did, right? He did a really good job. Yeah, yeah, really good job. And I thought that – because I got paired up with – he was one of the instructors there, instructor of the kids' classes, but obviously someone that you know knows a little bit, not just about the sport, but about teaching – and it was really cool how much that person and man, I'm really embarrassed because I, I I don't remember his name, um, but just how much while we were drilling, he took the extra time and attention to you know be really patient with me because it, it was my first time. It was literally my first time. Like I had taken the sheepdog course before, right. but the sheepdog course was like more. Um, first of all, it was no gi, but it was also more like you know in real life scenario stuff. And it was completely different than what we did during class. Um, and I was, yeah, like couldn't be more fish out of water than that. But um, yeah, really appreciated, you know, kind of how how open people are and kind of understanding to, you know, someone new jumping in. And, and you know, I, I feel like he could have easily, you know, been maybe like annoyed or, or felt like he wasn't getting the most of his session because he was paired up with someone that, you know, honestly, like didn't even know you know what an arm grab or an arm pull was which like you know tim was like everyone knows that right because you need yeah, to know that to yeah. work on what we're going to work on today yeah, he was talking about arm, like, he was talking about arm drag everybody yeah, knows an arm, arm drag and yeah, yeah yeah and i was like no but i'm sure i can figure it out um so so that was cool it was a cool experience and then again man like once you actually get to rolling in rounds i don't understand how anyone well, what i said after classes i don't understand how anyone can be out of shape and do this because it is some of the most in like just intense intervals you could do. But I think there's, there's two caveats there. One, and I didn't notice this because I was so like just into what we were doing. And during the rest, like my hands were on my knees and I was like looking at the mat, trying to like get my head straight. But a lot of people had sat out because, and, and the reason I noticed that a lot of people had sat out during the rounds we were doing is because someone actually came up to me after class and they were like, that was your first class. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, wow, you have really impressive cardio. And the huh. reason he said that was because th someone, at least he did, noticed that I never sat out. Like I was, I was, I was, the whole time we were doing the rounds, like I was rolling with someone. And apparently that isn't usually the case for someone that's new because it is so exhausting. So huh. at least I, I was able to. Yeah, I didn't realize that either because I was in on all the rounds as well. So right. I, didn't, I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently a lot of people like just like they got to take a break every now and then. So that made me feel a little bit better. But anyway, but I think the second part, and I told you this, the one thing that I've learned about, you know, BJJ specifically is people that know what they're doing, they, they can work in rest into what they're doing, especially if they're doing it against me. Because I literally, like my goal when we're doing this is like, I, I know I should be on top. Like that seems, that seems like a better position than being on the bottom. So that's kind of the only goal in my head that I have to work towards is like, yeah. okay, let me try and get on top. And then the other like goal in my head, I, I mean, I know that there are submissions, but I don't know what's like, what the submissions are. So like, I guess I'm like kind of trying to choke somebody, but like, you know, like that opportunity never really arises because people know what they're doing. Right. But that's a roundabout way of saying I'm working the entire time. Dude, that's why when you're a brand new white belt like you, like, dude, it's exhausting. But then the, oh, better, you, <clears throat> the better you get, the more – the, the thing about jiu-jitsu, and I know that we talk a lot of jiu-jitsu on this podcast. It's just because I just love the carryover between CrossFit and jiu-jitsu is that the better you get at CrossFit, 
the harder it still is because you could always try and get a faster time. You could always go heavier. You could always do whatever, right? You learn how to pace appropriately for sure. But imagine if the goal in CrossFit, let's just use this as an example, was like, I don't know, for example, his burpee test, 10 minute EMOM, 15. If that was like the standard in CrossFit and once you achieve that, right, you achieve, uh, there's not a good direct or carry out. What, what I'm trying to say is that in jujitsu, once you achieve a specific level of technical proficiency, you could dominate your other competitors so much so in, in general, right? That you could find opportunities to rest. You don't have that in CrossFit. Like the better you get in CrossFit, the more you still need to push. Whereas in Jiu-Jitsu, it actually encourages you the better you get in your technique, the less you have to focus on your strength conditioning, which is, it's, it's, it's interesting because the people that do both obviously thrive naturally. Yeah, I mean, there were plenty of times where like, especially with, even though they were white belts, but like, like bigger guys, like there were times where I would be on bottom where I'm still squeezing and thrashing like oh, as yeah. hard as I can. Yeah, and I can tell that the person is, he's just there, yeah. you know, um, like kind of waiting for his opportunity to then, you know, grab my arm or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, man, like it was funny. So we were done. How long would you say that we rolled for? It was a 90 minute class, but how long were like the, the rounds? So no if, if I'm not mistaken, just for clarity's sake, first off, Tim, Kim coached the class because uh, Giancarlo, who won the ADCC, was scheduled to coach that night. And Tim stepped in and coached for him and then sent uh, him and his wife out to dinner, which I thought was a super cool, generous thing that, uh, that the jujitsu gym did and, and Tim Kennedy did for them. So then Tim was coaching. He took us through a warm-up. He took us through a Russian tie and entering it um, from either um, – he, he, he taught us a Russian tie. And then after that, we then worked on um, – if I'm not mistaken, I think that was – we went from the Russian tie with a single leg or something like that, and we went from positions. We did three minutes. One person had the position. Then you just start rolling. Three minutes, another person. We did that for um, three or four rounds. So I think it's like 6, 12, 18 – like 18 minutes of rolling, give or take. Okay. It felt like an eternity. But yeah. when we were done, when we were done, I was like, you know, I was, it was akin to like doing an assault bike intervals, which we used to do. I remember we used to do anaerobic intervals every Friday back, back in the day when I was back in New York, kind of training for, for the sport. So if anyone knows the kind of feeling you get after a workout like that. That's how you like, felt. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was like, like metallic mouth feel like. Like really light, light Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. See, that's I mean, if you that's think, super interesting to me, right? If you, because if you ahead, think yeah. about it, it was yeah. three minutes of like go and then like a sh short enough rest to like go again. And then doing that, however many times you said we did, it all blurred by the end. So that's really interesting. Yeah. You want to know why that's interesting. It's like when I was going with Tim, I felt the way you're talking about, right? Like I was giving it 100%. And he just happened to get me in good position or not happen. He did get me into good positions, but I felt that same thing. Right. And in that case, you know, you're getting smothered. He was doing a really good job of just like putting his hand in my mouth, like my face and my nose. So I couldn't breathe. And that's why I felt that kind of like moment of panic, like almost the way you get in a assault. But then I had other opportunities, other people, I was able to calm myself down because I was more technically proficient than them. And so it's in, that's really interesting. Um, so you felt that way the, for each one of the whole class, basically. Yeah, yeah. And then, hey, yeah, are you then, sore? Were you sore? Um, my neck was a little sore the next the next day. Like my my upper back neck was like it felt like what you feel after doing like high volume deadlifts, but instead of your low back, it was like my high back. 
but the uh, same feeling just like not terrible but definitely like it did some work but i, yeah. I, I didn't feel bad but the drive home was rough dude so i have it was, <laughs> it was like it was like an it was like oh yeah an hour, like an hour drive right it's like an hour 15 and to give people a little bit of context like we go to bed pretty early at at the house like usually you know we're we're out for farm tours early. I've been taking some night classes um, at the University of Texas, Austin that usually end around like 839. And then like, I'm ready for bed at that point. And so go to bed, like read a book. And then I'm usually falling asleep by 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 10. So this class we took started at seven and went to 830. So already like I'm working out at high intensity at a time where like my body, like I always work yeah. out in the morning, my workout yeah. time is 8am. Could you not so, sleep? No, 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 no. I mean, I slept like a baby actually, but it was, it was the drive home. So first thing I did was I stopped at a gas station and bought two big Gatorades and a, and a bag of Raisinets because I just needed sugar. <laughs> like I needed, like I needed to like level myself out. Dude, I just needed carbs. Like I just needed like, like sugar to get me from Austin to Seguin in one piece. And, um, so I like, I'm, I'm downing my Gatorade. I'm eating my raisinettes in the car. I'm feeling better. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. For like first 45 minutes and dude, the last 30 minutes, like I was about to pull over. I was like, I couldn't, I, I was sleepy. Like it was, it was bad, man. I was so tired. So, so you white. Think you think what happened is your body like had this like huge rush at jujitsu then you had to replenish its, you know, glycogen storage, blood glucose, whatever. And so you re you replenish it with the raisinets and the Gatorade. And then what? You think it, it utilized all of it, and then you fuck, or your oh yeah yeah. Well, what I was trying to do, at least based off what I know, is to like because I you know you're kind of riding a roller coaster and you're you're hitting this peak because you know like you finished. We were talking after class, like even though it was hard, like you know endorphins are high, like you're so pumped up, you're amped, you're yeah. talking about your experience with shooting the shit. Like I was like, I knew I was going to crash, but I was like, how can I keep this high for as long as possible to get me to my bed? So that's why I drank the Gatorade and I had all the sugar and it was great for the first 45 minutes. I like, I called Ariel, I told her how it went. I was listening to podcasts. I was like, it was all good. But the thing is you can only delay that, that, that like knock for so long. So 45 minutes in, like it crashed and it crashed hard. And I was Dude. like... Dude, I still got another 30 minutes here, but I made it home. I had some water. It was all good. But yeah, I, I hadn't felt that I, I hadn't felt that messed up in 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 a little bit, mostly because even when I do intense training, I'm doing it earlier in the day, you know, and then afterwards I'm having like a, a balanced meal and the sun is still out, like all things that kind of keep you going. It was like the perfect storm of like training I don't usually do, high intensity, late in the day. And then having to like sit there on, you know, yeah, the, just in the, your car. Yeah. Right. And a highway that gets me home that's like straight, right? Like I'm yeah. not driving through traffic or through stop stoplights. Like it's it's a straight line down to Seguin, but it's, you know, there's nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. We I left the gym. I went, we went back to Tim's house, took a quick shower, and then went to dinner, um, which was which was great. The next day I woke up and I went to Roca and I trained with some really impressive individuals. And then I flew out to El Paso. But um, you know. My time in Texas was amazing. It was great to see you and shout out to you for going out there and doing the class. You know, basically how it went for, for anybody listening, just to kind of, again, I like to give credit where credit's due. We're sitting in, um, we're sitting in the office. We're talking through some things we want to work with, uh, Sheepdog Response, which is one of Tim Kennedy's companies. 
some of the things we, we might collaborate with them on, 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 on a few items. And we're sitting there discussing. And then, um, you know, basically the gym was like rumbling, right? A lot of good energy because they were celebrating a, a, a big win and it was a lot of good energy. And Tim's like, oh, are you going to, are you going to jump in to, to Gabe? He knew I was going to, um, but he didn't know about Gabe and Gabe's like, sure. Like, and it was just like, once he said that, I was like, oh boy, here we go. And I was thinking myself, oh, Gabe, you don't have a gi, you don't have whatever. And then Tim's like, oh, I got an extra one for you. I was like, oh, well, you're screwed, Gabe. So, but kudos to you, man, for jumping in and making that happen. And, and it's really interesting for me to hear the correlation between, you know, CrossFit strength conditioning stuff and then the mats and, you know, the carryover between the two. You know, I think that, anyways, obviously I'm a big fan of both. I think they're both incredibly powerful. Yeah, it was fun, man. It was it was a fun experience. I um, I, I wish I were at a point where getting into it was a little bit more convenient for me. Um, I'm sure at some point it will be, but right now there's just there's nothing close enough, and and schedule's kind of crazy. Um, but it's it's definitely something that's that's piqued my interest, mostly because I I I I hate being that bad at something. Not not that bad. That that sounds a lot more dramatic, but. It seems like something that I, I, the more that I've kind of dipped my toe in, like you should be competent. I, I think that there's, there's, there's a lot to the body control of it. There's a lot to obviously the like real world applications of it. Um, and there's a lot to this like combination of not just brute strength and, 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 and power, but also like being able to like think while you're doing that that I think is, I, I get why it's, it's, it's so appealing for people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, it's the crazy thing is, so the, the day after I went to, um, so I was doing the event at the border patrol and after I put on my seminar, they had an open mat session basically, or they had a class and I was able to participate in the class. And it was a really great experience, but it's really interesting because there is a big barrier, even for people who are in different LEO, different parts, like it's, it's, it's tough to go and do jujitsu. But once you do it for like six months and you start feeling the benefits that you have, especially even if like um, if you have a little bit of skill against someone who has no skill, you'd be shocked at what you can do with just a little bit of skill. It's like it's like when you learned how to use a you know tourniquet at a, at Sheepdog Response. It's like it's it's not rocket science, but it's, once you learn those skills, you're far superior than someone who doesn't have those skills at all. So. It's cool that you took your first class. Hopefully we can get you in for more classes as we start working more with those guys. For sure. For sure, man. Um, I don't know if there's anything on the training or nutrition front that you wanted to talk about. Um, well, I just, I, I think it would be interesting. So for me, I put on a seminar. Uh, I've been doing these a little bit, but in this particular case, I broke it into three sections. I thought I would just share. The first section was this burpee test. And the reason why I did it, and I did it with the group, is to show them how pacing is so important and how racing the clock can be such an important factor. So I did it with them and I showed them how I worked my breathing rhythm, you know, keeping my hurry under control and looking at movement outside the pool the same way you would as movement in the pool. Meaning when you're in the pool, you're always like swimming, you're finding your breathing rhythm because you can't breathe underwater. All of a sudden when people get outside the pool, they forget that there's a benefit to a, br a breathing rhythm where your body can know that there's oxygen coming at a certain time there's benefits there and i think when people get out of the pool they forget that and all of a sudden it's like a big breath then they hold their breath for a while then they take another big breath which probably happened to you in jiu-jitsu because you have somebody trying to smother you but 
the, my first thing I did with the guys was teach them about breathing and also teach them about this idea of the clock. So one of the major takeaways after we were done, I took them outside, everybody's sweaty, everybody's exhausted. It's great. And I say, Hey, how many of you guys train on your own? And basically everybody raised their hand. And I was like, I just gave you a training partner and that training partner is the clock. So now when you're looking at, you know, trying to push yourself, instead of pushing yourself against yourself, set a goal. Let's just say it's 10 burpees every minute. Let's just say it's, you know, run a hundred meters, whatever it is. And then utilize the clock as an indicator of your success. And now you could race the clock on a minute by minute basis. And so that was the first initial takeaway that I feel like um, I wanted to share on this podcast. Cause I feel like a lot of people might train on their own. And if you're not utilizing EMOMs or AMRAPs and utilizing the clock as an indicator of your like push factor, I think you're missing out on something special. I love that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear your experience with these like, not new to fitness groups, but I think it's almost more interesting that you're getting in front of people that obviously have a background in fitness, right? Like they're, it's not like they've never been into a gym or worked on these things before, but I think it's kind of bringing a, a different way to think about it that is still missing. It might not seem like it's missing in kind of our circle of functional fitness CrossFit, but it's, it's still very much needed and missing just in the general population and amongst people that, you know, rely on their fitness for their job. For sure. I mean, when I was out there, one of the big, one of, one of the big things I was thinking about is like, how do I take the last 20 years, you know, of me being in the fitness space and give them the cliff notes? Like, dude, I want these guys to cheat as much as possible on their fitness. Meaning like, this is what you do for a living, right? You're trying to protect the border. I want to give you the best cheat codes I can to help elevate you 10% more. So if I could pull in threads of, for example, teaching them what the reverse hyper is or teach them how to warm up more effectively or teaching them how to uh, analyze a workout better and incorporate more muscle groups to get more bang for your buck. Those were the type of cliff notes that I was trying to share with them. And um, overall, I thought it was really receptive. And I think there's a lot of bang for your buck in, in thinking through those three things I talked about earlier. Like how do I, how do I engage my core and maintain a better midline? How do I really focus on this idea of core to extremity in any movement I'm doing, right? Because if I'm not utilizing that, that universal rule, I might be, you know, I might be burning out my arms doing a snatch instead of using my hips. And then finally is this idea of moving your body through a long range of motion or moving an external object. So those are some big takeaways too. Nice, man. Are you talking to these groups at all about nutrition? Where do you think they're, they're, you know, they're obviously at a certain place in, in terms of fitness, but where do you think they are in terms of the fuel they're putting in their body? Nutrition got brought up. Um, we talked a little bit about, uh, I'm sure you get questions. That, yeah. I mean, I, I explained to them, they asked me what supplements I use. I, I currently am not taking any supplements. That's, that's always the question, right? That's always yeah, the I, question. And I told them like, guys, if I'm taking testosterone, all kinds of shit, I would tell you I'm not. And, um, so I explain on what I do. I, you know, try and eat real food. I try and incorporate a little bit of honey before, you know, high intensity workouts. I try and think about, you know, especially before my jiu-jitsu tournament, I use those element, those salt tablets to kind of just make sure my mind felt right. My body felt good. But as far as like nutrition was concerned, I just kind of kept it pretty baseline. I'd like to have a better solution for them. And I think you and I, we should talk more about that because just telling people to eat real food, then they asked about fasting. I said, yeah, I've tried fasting. I've tried eating just meat. I've tried this. I've tried that. But really what I do is just like try and eat real food and try to drink less old fashions, you know? Um, <laughs> but we got to give a better answer. Less John Wicks. 
Um, Less John Wicks. Well, I mean, so we have a blog post that I wrote on the NC Fit edit. We can link it in the show notes. It was part of our Get Big series. You can find this entire series on our blog. You know, we focused the past two months on just everything around kind of muscle building, why it's important for, you know, even if you don't necessarily quote unquote want to get bulky, why it's important, which I think is an interesting topic too. But one of the blog posts specifically was if you were to kind of want to find supplements that, that you want to take, like what are the three that I think are, 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 are most important? And, you know, this can be debated till the end of time, but I think three that are beneficial and, you know, pretty unanimously, definitely safe and not a complete waste of your money is a protein, creatine, and magnesium. Creatine is the one- Greens normally have magnesium in them? Dude, eat your vegetables. Like you don't need a freaking powder to put in water to eat your vegetables. Eating vegetables are incredibly important. The reason that that protein is in there and even in the blog post I, I, I wrote up, like if you can get adequate amount of protein from real whole foods, that is preferred. That is definitely better. But I think that what's tough for some people is the, the convenience and also like the how quickly can I sit down and have like, you know, a steak or a piece of chicken or, you know, a, a nice filet of salmon after my workout. So in that case, having a protein shake and getting, you know, that into your body relatively after your workout is a good way to not have your blood sugar spike. It's a good way to kind of get recovery going and a good way just to hit your overall protein number for the day, something that most people fall under. So the reason that I'm personally not like a big, like, Hey, you should take your greens, take your greens is because the greens are in something that necessarily have to happen at a specific time of day. So if you have the flexibility to just work vegetables in to all three of your meals, that's what I think 99% of people should be doing it for some reason you just can't stomach vegetables you hate them like you're not doing it it's a non-negotiable for you sure greens can be a, a, a definite benefit um, I've also found personally in my experience and I, I worked in the supplement industry for you know four years before I came on to NC fit a lot of green powders out there I'm not saying all of them there's some good products out there but a lot of them tend to have like fruit and vegetable extracts like if you turn the back, it won't just be vegetables. It'll be some fruit extracts too. The reason they do that is so it doesn't taste really bad. And sure, fruits have vitamins and minerals too. But then the case is you're usually not getting enough of the things you really need. And you're just getting a little bit of a bunch of stuff. Um, so I'm personally not a big fan of the greens. But they do serve a purpose if you're just someone that really, really struggles incorporating like fresh veggies into your meals. So why, um, by the way, if you could hear the, dude, the, the, the class is class is bumping, class is popping off, but, uh, hey, why magnesium? So magnesium is really, really tough to get. Like if there was a single mineral that is really tough to get in your diet, it's magnesium. Um, and it's also one that has like a very direct impact on your sleep and sleep is just so important for, you know, most of the results that we want from our training. If you want to lose fat, you have to make sure you're getting enough sleep. If you want to put on muscle, that happens literally while you sleep. Like one misconception people have is that like your muscles get big in the gym. They don't. In the gym, you're tearing yourself down. You're doing a lot of damage. Muscles actually grow, get big. And, and, and you know, all the results that you want to happen literally happen while you sleep. So if you're not getting good sleep, you're not letting that happen. And magnesium is a great thing to take at night. Natural calming effect on the nervous system. 
lets you get into really good deep sleep. Um, and it's something that's really hard to get from your diet, even to get from, from vegetables if you're eating plenty of them. Dude, I like it, man. I, uh, yeah, no, that's good. I'll, yeah, we'll put that in the, we'll, we'll link that. And also I think if I'm not mistaken, when this releases, if you're a gym owner or coach out there and you're looking, we have a new series. It's going from, um, coach to CEO, right? Is that what that's the yeah. title? Yeah. So when this releases, we'll have done the first one already. So hopefully you already registered, but you can still register and get the recording and attend the next two sessions. So definitely not too late to sign up. Okay. Yeah. So coach the CEO. So if you're a gym owner out there, make sure you check that out. We're going to put out, Gabe and I are going to do a cool series uh, along with Dan, the founder of push press. We're going to be doing something for gym owners. And then, um, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely link the nutrition. I think that's an area that's a, that's an area that I don't feel as comfortable with just from, I mean, even though I've tried a lot of stuff, I got to get better about talking about more of it. Um, but that's where you come in. So, um, yeah, overall, man, we're rocking and rolling. It's a, uh, what is it? 1230 class or 12 o'clock class is cracking. I'm going to go downstairs and, um, go see if I can help coach out coach a little bit. Um, and, uh, dude, I hope your Mets continue to win. And I, I, I really do. I, I really do. Hey, it's check this out. Hi, me, bring it over. Watch this. What? No, bring over, bring over the, the stick. Check out this new thing I got for the office. Oh my God, dude. So when I was at on it years ago, I got one of these giant, Dude, look at this thing. Oh, I, dude, I remember when that dude, was at the office. Look at that thing. It's a, it's a, yeah, yeah, dude. It's a, it's a giant. Um, uh, what, what do you call this again? Um, mace. A mace. mace. Yeah, a giant mace. And uh, so this one has like four different faces on it. And uh, yeah, the guys from On It sent this out years ago, and I haven't used it in a while. So that we're bringing so some more. Heavy. Dude, we're bringing some more vibe to the office. We're recreating it. I got my African stick. I got my mace. Ah. Um, we got the pig over here. Just wait until we get the new podcast room set up. You're going to love it. All right, man. All right, brother. Well, hey, hope uh, everybody's doing well. Thank you so much for listening. If you've been enjoying these podcasts, simple ask, right? Tell a friend about them. You know, this podcast has really been something fun for Gabe and I and, and bringing on guests and doing coffee clipas. If you enjoy them, tell a friend. Let them know about the podcast. That's all we ask. Hope you guys have a great day and see you again next week. Let's go.